0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday.
1: A United States Army Field Hospital somewhere near the front line.
2: this place out see what the nurses are like that one the sultry bitch with the fire in her eyes onward christian soldiers marching as to war who are those men friends of yours i think you will find these accommodating they're quite dry don't you use olives we do have to make certain concessions to the war we're three miles from the front line this is the story
1: of two indispensable military surgeons They had the army over a barrel, but did they take advantage of it? Yes. MASH. A motion picture that raises some important
2: moral questions. And then, it drops them.
3: What are you two hoodlums doing in this hospital?
2: Well, what's the matter with her, today? Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover. Somebody get that dirty old man out of this operating theater. And then give me at least one nurse who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way.
3: I wonder how a degenerated person like that could have reached a position of responsibility in the Army Medical Corps.
4: He was drafted.
3: Our oh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. His will be done. Oh, Fred. Oh, Fred, my lips are hot. Oh, God.
2: Yes, my heart will yes, We have got to share this with the rest of the
3: kids.
4: Frank! Oh. What
2: the hell is that? Frank! Frank!
4: Frank! Frank! Wait a second! What is it? What is Turn the light off! No, 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 no! What? 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 What?
1: Uh, check with the military vicar's office. You see, I cannot give absolution to a man who's about to commit suicide.
2: Do you have any particular method that you'd recommend? Black capsule. Black capsule? Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes.
4: This isn't a hospital! It's insane!
2: incredible income poop is the end of the quarter.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie M.A.S.H., not the TV show, the original film from 1970. The studio was 20th Century Fox, the release date was January 25th, 1970. The running time, 116 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget $3 in the box office was a smash, a surprise smash, taking in $81.6 million, making it the third-ranked movie of 1970. It also beat the other Fox War films of the same year, Patton and Tora, 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 which were all expected to do way better than MASH. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 85% fresh from 54 reviews. Their critics' consensus is bold, timely, subversive, and above all, funny. MASH remains a high point in Robert Altman's distinguished filmography. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 4 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. One of the reasons MASH is so funny is that it's so desperate. It's set in a surgical hospital just beyond the front lines in Korea, and it's drenched in blood. The surgeons work rapidly and with gory detachment, sawing off legs and tying up arteries, and making their work possible by pretending they don't care. And when they are last out of the operating tent, they devote their lives to remaining sane. The way they do that in M.A.S.H. is to be almost metaphysically cruel. There is something about war that inspires practical jokes, and the heroes are inspired and utterly heartless, Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, and their cronies. We laugh not because MASH is Sergeant Bilko for adults, but because it's so true to the unadmitted sadist in all of us. There is perhaps nothing so exquisite as achieving, as the country song has it, sweet mental revenge against someone we hate with particular dedication. And it is the flat out poker face hatred in MASH that makes it work. Most comedies want us to laugh at things that aren't really funny, and this one we laugh precisely because they're not funny. We laugh that we may not cry. But none of this philosophy comes close to the insane logic of MASH, which is achieved through a peculiar marriage of cinematography, acting, directing, and writing. The movie depends upon timing and tone to be funny. I had an opportunity to read the original script, and I found it uninteresting. It would have been a failure if it had been directed like most comedies, but Ring Lardner Jr. wrote it, I suspect, for exactly the approach Robert Altman used in his directions, and so the angle of a glance or the timing of a pause is funnier than any number of conventional gag lines. The performances have a lot to do with the movie's success. Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland are two genuinely funny actors. They don't have to make themselves ridiculous to get a laugh. They're funny because their humor comes so directly from their personalities. They underplay everything, and Sutherland and Gould Trying to downstage each other could eventually lead to complete paralysis. Strangely enough, they're convincing as surgeons. During operations covered with blood and gore, they mutter their way through running commentaries that sound totally professional, sawing and hacking away at a parade of bodies. They should be driving us away, but they don't. We can take the unusually high gore level in mash because it is originally part of the movie's logic. If the surgeons don't have to face the daily list of maimed and mutilated bodies, none of the rest of their lives would make any sense. I think perhaps that's what the movie is about. Gould and Sutherland and the members of their merry band of pranksters are offended because the army's regulars don't feel deeply enough. The Hot Lips character, for example, is concerned with protocol, but not with war. And so the surgeons, dancing on the brink of crack-ups, dedicate themselves to making her feel something. Her facade offends them. No one could be unaffected by the work of this hospital, but she is. And so if they can crack her defenses and reduce her to their own level of dedicated cynicism, the number of suffering human beings in the camp will go up by one. And even if they fail, they can have a hell of a lot of fun trying. And of course, it's a distraction. That's the end of Ebert's review. Now, if you were to poll a random group of folks and ask them the first thing they think of when you mention the title match, the overwhelming answer would be the TV series. However, in my household growing up, because of my dad, I would often hear the phrase, well, yeah, the TV show is good, but you should really see the movie. And by the way, read the book as well. (laughs) That's my dad. Well, I never ended up reading the novel, but I did of course watch the film and I absolutely loved it. It is so polar opposite of the TV series. It's not even close. And frankly, I never did get into the TV show. I mean, I watched the reruns as a kid, but after seeing the film, the film was the only version of M.A.S.H. that really mattered to me. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So M.A.S.H. is based on the 1968 novel, which was written by a former military surgeon named Richard Hornberger. He used the pen name Richard Hooker, and many of the main characters were based on real people that he knew. Now, the character of Hawkeye was based on Hornberger, who was drafted into the Army during the Korean War, after graduating from Cornell Medical School. The book was rejected many times before finally being published in 1968, and was unique because of the insane stories the outrageous characters got themselves into throughout the horrors of the war. When film development started on MASH, 20th Century Fox picked a relatively unknown director named Robert Altman, who is best known for his 1957 documentary called The James Dean Story, and along with directing television shows. The studio went through many directors who just didn't get the dark humor of the film or the novel. Altman was one of the few that got what the story was all about. The production had everything going against it to be a successful film, The book and film was about the very little covered Korean War, and was going to be released to theaters during the height of the Vietnam War. And Altman even admits the film is definitely anti-war, and it's an indictment on what was going on in Vietnam at the time. He wanted the film to have all the Korean War references taken out, and not to mention a specific war, and therefore the audience would naturally assume it was about Vietnam. However, the studio made it mandatory to add Korean references in the beginning of the film. But for all intents and purposes, this film was about the Vietnam War. On top of that, MASH was going to be a comedy. And Altman really didn't like the novel, nor the adapted screenplay. But he had been working on a project based on World War I flyers called The Chicken and the Hawk, which he felt he could incorporate into MASH. Fox would look at the dailies and couldn't believe what Altman was doing. They thought it was unreal, because nothing like MASH had ever been covered before. Ironically, the studio was also filming Patton and Tora Tora Tora, as I mentioned before, at the same time as MASH. And really, talk about two movies about war that are completely different than what MASH is. Eventually, Fox just focused on the epic of Patton, which won all sorts of awards, and then Altman was basically left alone by Fox. And as Altman put it, the film didn't get released. It escaped. The reason why MASH, and frankly all great films, work well, is if it's an ensemble cast instead of just one or two superstars, it really makes an amazing film. MASH is definitely the epitome of an ensemble cast, and this was one of the first major films for most of the cast. Plus, Altman allowed the actors a lot of room to improvise, and magic came from that freedom. Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould became very close while shooting the film. However, it didn't come without issues. Donald Sutherland said that Altman tried to get him fired from the picture because Sutherland wasn't the actor that Altman envisioned. Plus, Altman wanted his billing lower. On the other hand, Altman wanted to increase the billing of Elliot Gould. Originally, Gould was offered the part of Duke, which went to Tom Skerritt. But he just couldn't get into the role since the Duke character was based in the Deep South. So he instead requested for the Trapper John McIntyre role that he felt more in tune with. Both Sutherland and Gould said, years after making this film, they thought Altman was crazy, completely whacked out due to his way of working, which could be very difficult on the actors. Because the script was more of a guide than a precise way to deliver lines, this could make for a very haphazard way of filming. Both Sutherland and Gould wanted Altman fired from the film halfway through shooting, but in the end, they both realized that Altman's process was what was best for the film. Sutherland, prior to M.A.S.H., just happened to be in two other successful war films, The Dirty Dozen and Kelly's Heroes. And Gould was coming off the very popular film released the year prior called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Now, Robert Altman was initially considered James Garner for the part of Hawkeye until Donald Sutherland lobbied hard for the role. Now, Garner was a Korean War veteran who had been wounded and treated in a military hospital during the war. Tom Skerritt was in the middle of writing a screenplay at the time and considered Altman like a mentor, and he had called him up for advice. And Altman took the call, but it was short, and he actually hung up on him. And the next thing Skerritt knew was that the lawyers were negotiating with him to have him be in the film. And this really was Skerritt's first film role, as the vast majority of his work was on television. Sally Kellerman actually auditioned for the Lieutenant Dish role, but once Altman saw her, he took her aside and said that she should be playing the biggest part in the film, which is the Hot Lips Houlihan role, and that she did. Like Scarrett, Kellerman's career up to this point was predominantly on television. Robert Duvall also, like Scarrett and Kellerman, worked mostly on television throughout the 60s, but did have a few key film roles he notched just prior to MASH. One was The Detective with Frank Sinatra, Bullet with Steve McQueen, and the original True Grit with John Wayne. Allman came up with a few very inventive techniques while shooting M.A.S.H., including wiring each actor up with their own microphone during scenes that would involve the entire ensemble speaking at once. This meant everything would be recorded no matter who was talking. And you can definitely hear this inventive idea work, especially during the radar scenes. This made for a very realistic film unlike any other film at the time. All right, let's get into the film. So if you're wondering what M.A.S.H. stands for, it's Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. The film begins with one of the most iconic theme songs of all time and I'm not, you know, taking that lightly. It really is. Not just in this film but later on television. And I think most fans who only know the TV show may not realize that the song does actually have a title and lyrics. Suicide is painless, which only makes sense if you've seen the film. Through
4: early morning fog I see visions of the things to be, the pains that are withheld for me,
1: I realize and I can see
4: that suicide is painless, it brings on many changes,
1: and I can take or leave it if I
0: please. Now, the writing of the song's lyrics is a legendary story. Robert Altman had the title, but just couldn't get himself to write ridiculous lyrics that the song called for, and in particular, a key scene, which is later in the film. So Altman asked his 13-year-old son, Michael, to come up with some lyrics, and he did, And the lyrics you hear is exactly what the 13-year-old came up with. And the story goes that Michael ended up making way more money from that song than his father did for directing the film. Johnny Mandel came up with the music around the lyrics, and Mandel sings the song and also scores the entire film. So while the song plays, we see a military chopper flying with wounded soldiers. The time period is supposed to be 1951 during the Korean War, but as I mentioned earlier, Altman says it's basically Vietnam. The film is set at a Mobile Army ho- Military Hospital station in South Korea. It's the 4077 MASH unit. So only Gary Berghoff, who plays Radar, appears in both the movie version and the TV series.
3: Radar! Yes, sir! Why I guess I better the call Major Burns. Major Burns. Tell him we're gonna, gonna have to hold day a day couple of surgeons over from the day shift out of the night shift. I'm ship. putting a call Get in to General Hammond and Saul. Hammon I no hope he saves those right two surgeons. We're sure gonna need them. What was that, sir? I give everything to Radar. What?
0: We are then introduced to Sergeant Hawkeye Pierce, played by Donald Sutherland, and the following note, which appears on the screen while he walks through town. I have just left your fighting sons in Korea. They have done their best there, and I can report to you without reservation that they are splendid in every way. I now close my military career and just fade away. An old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. And it's quoted to General Douglas MacArthur. Then there's a brief note from Dwight D. Eisenhower, which was, I will go to Korea. Hawkeye meets another new surgeon named Duke Forrest, played by Tom Skerritt. Duke is an arrogant Southerner and thinks that Hawkeye is his welcoming party and chauffeur. So being ever so obliging, Hawkeye decides to take the jeep he's sitting next to, which isn't his, it just happens to belong to the military police. Hawkeye gets away scot-free as the MPs fight with one another. Duke and Hawkeye stop to grab some food and fraternize with the female officers, specifically Lieutenant Dish, played by Joanne Flug, as they affectionately name her. You will see early on that there is definitely a group that likes to break the strict rules of the camps.
2: Uh, I'm
4: of in passing, through? all.
2: I was just enjoying
4: that lovely dish
2: there. Uh, then you are speaking about a lieutenant in the United States Army. Uh-huh. I'm Colonel Blake.
3: Oh. Colonel, yeah. if I'm uh, Duke Forrest in New car.
2: that's my driver over here. Captain Hawkeye Pierce. Are you leaving? Yes, I am. Hawkeye
3: Good afternoon,
2: Pierce. Lieutenant Dish.
3: Good afternoon, Captain,
2: Captain Hawkeye. Captain Hawkeye Pierce, I had a twix about you. It seems that you stole a Jeep up at headquarters. No, 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 sir. No, I didn't steal a jeep. No, it's uh, right outside. Right there. Oh, so
0: it is. Lieutenant Colonel Blake, played by Roger Bowen, barely pays attention to anything Duke and Hawkeye say, hilariously ignoring Duke's comment that they've been boozing all day long. Duke and Hawkeye are introduced to Father Mulcahy, also called Dago Red, played by Rene Arvajoie. We're also introduced to the resident dentist, Captain Woldalski who also goes by the name of Painless and Jawbreaker, and he's played by John Shuck. We're also introduced to Radar and others. Duke is pretty much only interested in drinking and chasing every woman in camp. Duke and Hawkeye then meet Major Frank Burns, played by Robert Duvall, who is a religious fanatic. In a very funny scene, Burns is teaching a local boy who works in the mess hall to read English by reading verses from the Bible. Duke helps the kid named Ho-John in his own way by giving him a nudie magazine and simply saying, it's easier to learn to read with some pictures to go along with the words.
1: (laughs) Corporal O'Reilly, you're not billeting these enlisted men in the offices area now, are you?
2: You
3: uh, can't afford don't the trip you to Korea, he's a man. Don't do anything. Unhand me, sir. Uh, a hey, Duke, forced
1: <whistles> yeah, Now that one's mine. Hi,
4: fellas. Who's that, that one? Yeah. Who told you that? How do you know I that? walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou, thou art. For Jesus. thou art. Thou art so, me. That's I Major Burns. Are...
1: Oh. New personnel, Major.
2: Hiya. Talk how do you do? Uh, Duke Forrest. Frank Burns. How are you? Go ahead, ho
0: My
4: cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. Uh,
2: what's this here? This is ho Johnny. He's one of our mess hall boys. I'm teaching him how to read. Oh, is that right? Uh, reading the Bible, huh? Well, that's nice. Listen, I tell you what. I got a book here. It's got a lot of pictures in it, and I think it's easier to learn how to read when you look at pictures. Little adventure in pictures. <laughs> May I
4: leave now, Major? Sure, Hoja. You have fun you here.
0: Burns also doesn't think much of Hawkeye and Duke's drinking, especially when it's the 17-year-old kid Hojan making their drinks. We then get some fairly graphic scenes of surgeries taking place, though you sort of ignore the gore due to the banter between the surgeons and the nurses. The production team went through great lengths to make sure the blood looked authentic, and these graphic surgery scenes occur throughout the film. Fox originally wanted many of the surgery scenes removed, but Altman argued correctly that without the reality of war and what the surgeons and nurses had to deal with on a daily basis, the comedy outside of the darkness simply wouldn't work at all. And that's spot on. No joke in the film could be more crude than the horrors of operating on wounded soldiers in battle and then sending them back out on the front lines. That yin and yang is why MASH works so well. So if you think that's bad, try sharing living quarters with Frank Burns. And dear God, protect our supreme
4: commander on the field and our commander-in-chief in in Washington, D.C.,
2: Frank, were you on this religious kick at home, or did you crack up over here? Uh, Frank, how long does this show go
4: on? It gets longer all the time. Now I have your soul to pray for and Captain Pierce's.
2: Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war,
4: with the
3: cross of Jesus going on before. The
4: royal master leads against the foe.
0: Both Duke and Hawkeye want a new chest cutter for their surgeries, which finally arrives. Unfortunately, it's also at an inopportune time for Hawkeye. We also get to meet another new surgeon, a mysterious fellow named Trapper John McIntyre, played by Elliot Gould.
2: That's him. Hi, I'm Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah, see? All I can get out of him is he's from Baston and he'd been in the army two months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's all.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, listen. Uh, where were you when you were drafted? I was just curious. Back home, I told you before. No, I mean, what were you doing? Were you like a resident or on staff someplace? Mm. Where? Hospital. Which hospital? Back home. Is there some reason I shouldn't know which hospital? I don't know, I will ask. Is there some reason my friend should not know the name of the hospital? I've seen you somewhere before I don't know your name, stranger but your face is familiar You always have that mustache (laughs) Are you a beer drinker, sir? Would you like to share a martini with me? Martini? I I would love a martini Oh, John, give the gentleman a martini I think you will find these accommodating They're quite dry Don't you use olives? Well, where the hell do you think you are man we do have to make certain concessions to the war we're three miles from the front line and yes but a man can't really savor his martini without an olive you know otherwise you see it just doesn't quite make
0: it In addition to being annoying to live with, Frank is also a major asshole, and he blames the death of a patient on a young private named Boone, who is actually Bud Court in his film debut. You might know him from Harold and Maude. This is because he didn't bring an adrenaline shot quick enough, so Frank scolded him. This was not Boone's fault, as he's not a nurse, and the patient was likely dead before Burns even asked for the adrenaline. Trapper John, who saw the incident go down, later takes Burns aside and gives him a nice punch to his head.
4: Nurse! Oh, tape's Boom, get me a cc of adrenaline and a cardiac needle. All right, now is... I'm sorry. I, uh, uh, Just I get it! Pinch a bit. a long. That's it. Good.
2: And then you can cut me about a four-inch piece of wire. And about an inch and a half, two. Hi, soldier. Who is it? Oh, it's Trapper. Trapper, don't worry.
4: Just get some of this stuff off. You idiot! I said a cardiac needle. You want me to get a nurse? It's too late, Boone. You killed him.
1: Chief nurse, that's where we do the dirty work. Uh, Captain Merhart, hi,
3: hi, Captain Dennis.
1: Don't you remember? I uh helped carry your luggage from the airfield.
3: Oh, yes, hello, Dennis. Yeah.
1: Hi, <laughs> this is Captain Black.
3: Hello, Captain Black.
1: Hi, I'm ugly John, your gas passer.
3: Uh, I'd like
1: to. Oh, it's only you, Judson. Uh, Captain Sachs. Hello,
3: Captain Sachs. How's the
2: operation? Going? Are you kidding? Oh,
4: sorry.
2: Scissor. Oh, and this is Captain Marco McCarthy. <laughs> now I'll the rest of the operation. If you'll excuse the uh-huh. This is the uh, pre op ward, and oh, I'll take these things. This is the post op ward. I uh, don't mind. Oh, well, I'll take uh, care of these, will you, Finished work for the, the day? Yes. Why? Good. Good. I just uh, wanted to make sure you had time to sleep this off. Crapper! Oh. Yes. Captain McIntyre, what the hell? Captain? What's going on? Who started this? I hit him. I hit him. He's an ignoramus, that knucklehead. He wouldn't have touched me if I had my guard up. Let us settle this, Colonel, between ourselves, alone. What do you think I'm running, an English boarding school? McIntyre, you're under arrest. Confine yourself to Quarters' Pending an investigation. Oh, Henry, are you kidding? I deeply regret this unfortunate incident. We try to remember we're a military organization.
3: I should certainly hope so.
2: Walmer, that man is under arrest. Confine him to his Quarters.
3: Captain McIntyre, you are officially- Come on,
2: confi- cut it out, Walmer.
0: The next big thing for the 4077 is the arrival of Major Margaret Houlihan, played by Sally Kellerman, who will play a very prominent role for the rest of the film. She is very attractive and definitely stands out, and she will be the head nurse of the staff. Sadly, I couldn't find clips for some of the most hilarious parts of the film, which are the announcements played on the loudspeaker, which are often botched by the broadcaster or the fake notices he accidentally reads on air. Now, the interesting part about the loudspeaker announcements was that they were all recorded during the editing of the film because they weren't even part of the original film. Altman felt he needed better transition scenes, and the announcements fit perfectly and often are the highlight of the film. So, while any surgeon is in a field of work that takes enormous talent and skill, Military surgeons are at a different level because they're often working under incredible duress and adversity. For example, all of the lights go out at one point and they must continue to perform the surgeries using flashlights. We come to discover that Major Houlihan is very much like Frank, a major tightass.
4: Attention, attention. They have the camp's
1: attention. This week's movie will be
2: When Willie Comes Marching Home, uh, the, the biggest yeah. parade of laughs of World War II. All the loves, laughs, eggs, and escapades of, of the Willies who came marching home. This film stars Dan Daly, Corinne Calvay, and Colleen Townsend.
3: Captain Pierce, may I
2: join <laughs> you? You've already joined me, gorgeous. You're a scientist.
3: <laughs> Where do you come from? Well, I like to think of the army as my home.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, John, you bring me some ketchup, will you,
3: Captain? I've been observing the nurses on your shift.
2: Yeah, I know. I saw you.
3: Naturally, your own opinion is more informed than mine.
2: And you would like to know what I think of the nurses, I'm like, about. I think they're fine. I think they're just great. I'm always satisfied for
4: the you can oh that's oh no, that's oh, a no. second time. Of course, hand what'd you expect? Oh, you can't that, that, I deep, all day. Uh... Welcome, oh.
1: gentlemen.
2: When, when oh. got oh, the cool. the hmm?
4: cool.
2: enough yeah. the 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 room? room. Yeah. Keep the blood in On Sponge stick. Get rid of the lungs when
4: we Oh, good. Oh,
2: Cut okay. down on oh. the back right. Is he all right? The yes, you mean yeah, he is he all right, Segal? He's Yeah, she means he's going to live. That's a blood count. He's Fine. We have another sponge he's there. am going to be around tomorrow morning. Let's bag and less, will you? He wakes up. Nice to see those Tell him that he hasn't got anything between his legs anymore. Oh, let me oh. have a long fingers.
3: Singman the oh. light though. Well, Major Burns is far from satisfied.
2: Well, that doesn't surprise me.
3: Frank Burns!
2: does not know his way around an operating theater. He does not know his way around a body. And if you will have observed anything, you will have observed that Major Frank Burns is an idiot. He has flipped his wig, that he's out of his head, that he's a lousy surgeon. Oh,
3: on the contrary, I have observed that Major Burns is not only a good technical surgeon, he is a good military surgeon. Finished? I've also noticed that nurses, as well as enlisted men, address you as Hawkeye.
2: Yeah, because that's my name, Archive Pierce.
3: Well, that kind of informality is inconsistent with maximum efficiency in a military oh, come organization. come
2: off it, Major. You put me right off my fresh fried lobster. Do you realize that? I'm going to go back to my bed. I'm going to put away the best part of a bottle of scotch. And under normal circumstances, you being normally what I would call a very attractive woman, I would have invited you back to share my little bed with me and you might possibly have come. But you really put me off. I mean, you're what we call a regular army clown.
3: I wonder how a degenerated person like that could have reached a position of responsibility in the Army Medical Corps. He was
4: drafted.
0: Houlihan decides to write up the surgeons, except Frank, of course. The two end up having an affair since they're exactly like one another. Everyone else in the troop enjoys one another, and they often party at night together. Radar catches Hulhan and Frank having sex and decide to put a microphone meant for the announcements underneath their bunk. And then, of course, hilarity ensues. Hey, what the light out. Oh, Hi. Uh, What's going on? May I join you?
2: Uh, Make a little radio. Oh,
4: good job. Radio oh, oh, I'm here. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. oh, 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 Frank. Oh, Oh, Frank. Is this oh, the yeah.
3: Bickersons? I, oh, yeah. huh? oh, yeah.
4: I love them.
3: Oh, The battling Bickersons. I
4: love them. Oh, Frank. Oh, yes. uh. Hi. Oh,
3: Frank.
4: I Oh, 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 no, I, uh, Oh, I... Forgot. Oh. Oh. I uh... No, uh... Oh. 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 Oh my God. You're
2: shining that thing in my eyes.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he is such a sweet man. <laughs> oh, Frank, oh, Frank, my lips are hot. Oh, kiss my hot lips. Hot, hot lips.
2: Hot lips. We have got to share Strangle. this with the rest of his
4: family. Strangle
3: me, <laughs> Switch it over. Heart. Okay. I, I oh, Frank. Oh, oh
4: Frank, Frank,
3: yes. Darling. Oh, oh, Frank. oh, Frank. Oh, Frank. Strangle
4: me. Mm-hmm. Heart. Frank. Oh. What the hell is that? Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, like
2: yeah. Frank Burns is doing oh, a bit of dilatation yeah. and curettage. Oh,
4: uh-huh. That's uh, well,
2: that's uh, well, it sounds like the uh, major, the major is having a dream. She's plugged in.
4: Oh, Frank! 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 No, no, Wait a sec! No. Wait a second. What is, it? what is it? Turn the, line- the line off! No, that's all! No, no, that's Turn the line off! Up! Get your clothes on, John! Get your friends! Your- 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 Don't turn your- off me! So so
0: shut. And the legend of hot lips begins. I love the wine. Is this the Bickersons? I love them for Father dago Red. <laughs> the most uplifting program I've ever heard. We should send accommodations to the Armed Forces Radio Network. <laughs> it's great comments at the day after. And it's only going to get worse for Hoolihan. Well, Hot Lips.
2: Well, hi, hot lips. Oh, oh my goodness, over my I'm so sorry to touch your I what's the matter with her today oh i don't know i think i think it's one of those ladies things it's not like her to act like this no i mean she usually doesn't Oh, she's made such a pl- she's a bitch <laughs> look at <laughs> my new final seat. i think she's gonna have a nervous break she and... can't even get out of the door look she, <laughs> the boys asked me to uh, ask you frank what was like in the sack you know what's uh, your own business no frank I, you know is, is she better than self-abuse that was really the sort of thing
3: what's that all about uh, you gonna get some pointers or something
2: no, but no, Hawkeyes going to sign him up to make a personal appearance to her in all the camps in Korea Ah, oh, is that a fact? I wonder what they're saying, can you make it out? Does that uh, big ass hairs move around a lot, Frank, or does it sort of lie there, Flassie? What would you say about that?
3: Um, Hawkeye's questioning the major on a point of anatomy
2: Very professional, exchanging ideas Would you say that she was uh, a moaner, Frank? A...
3: <laughs>
2: what is Byrne saying?
3: Uh, Major Burns isn't saying much of anything, sir. I think he's formulating the
2: answer. Seriously, Frank. I mean, does she go? Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm,
2: or does she just sort of lie there quiet and not do anything at all? Or just sort of Keep your filthy mouth to yourself. Or does she go? Mm-hmm,
4: <laughs> oh! oh! Hey! Get him off me! I got him
2: nuts! Get him off me! What's going on, Frank? Let lesson one?
4: Frank Burns has gone nuts! Get him. Oh! Get him glasses
2: for Watch out for your goodies, Hawkeye. That man is a sex maniac. I don't think hot lips satisfied him.
4: Don't kill love
2: you. Go let him kiss you, Hawkeye.
4: Oh! The time has come for us to say sayonada. for eternity. I knew sometime we'd
0: have to say sayonara.
4: So promise that uh, Colonel, fair's fair. If I nail hot I lips and punch Hawkeye, Hawkeye, can I go home? I'll remember I'll the day that I die. i see your face in the moon and stars in the sky.
0: <laughs> and it's sayonara for Frank Burns, who is taken away in a straitjacket. Now, you might think the doctors didn't take things seriously, but they were dealing with life and death just like the soldiers in battle. They knew that their services were needed, and that's why they could get away with the nutty behavior outside of the surgical room. None of them cared about getting written up or even demoted, because every single one of them was needed. So things are looking up now that Frank is gone. But unfortunately for the resident dentist, Waldowski, who goes by the nickname of Painless, the term up wasn't in the cards for him when he took out a woman the night before. And because he couldn't perform in bed, he now believes he's gay and wants to kill himself. He matter-of-factly announces this to the troop. He then asks them for advice about how to commit suicide, which goes as well as you would think with this group of nuts. Therefore, the guys get a bright idea to throw a suicide funeral for Dr. Painless. And now you know what a brilliant title of the MASH theme song actually means. Suicide is painless.
2: All right, where are you at? There you go. Now then, you all come here to... Say your final farewell to old Walt, here. Farewell, Walt. Dear old Walt. You know, I got an idea that maybe it's not such a final farewell after all. I think maybe old Walt's going on in into the unknown to do a little recon work for us all, huh? I just just want to say one thing. Uh, Nobody ordered Walt to go on this mission. He volunteered. Certain death. That's true. That's what we award our highest medals that's for. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's what being a soldier is all about. Oh yeah. Here, here, here. Yes. here Yes. Here. here yes. Here. Gentlemen, I think there's only one person who has anything to add to that, and that's Dago Red.
4: Hey, Padre. Padre.
2: Walt, here's here's your black capsule. Oh. Look, this thing works pretty fast, doesn't it? I think I better go lie down over there.
4: Well, well, I'll help you. (laughs) Through early morning fog I see Visions of the things to be the pains that are withheld for me i realize and i can see that suicide is painless it brings on many changes and i can take or leave it if i please game of life is hard to play I'm going
3: to lose it anyway the losing card I'll someday lay so this is all I have to say that
2: suicide is painless it brings on
3: many changes and I can take a lead I'll always remember you just like this. Please,
4: the only way to it is cheap And lay it down before I'm beat mm-hmm. And to another give my seat For that's the only painless feat okay, the Suicide mm-hmm. is painless it brings on many changes and I can take or leave Thanks. it if I believe. Throwing your whole education away. And you right, Jawbreaker.
0: I just love how morbid and hilarious the whole scene is. Painless lays in a coffin as everyone pays her respects. Of course, the whole scene was meant to show Painless why he shouldn't die. And of course, he doesn't because Hawkeye decides to ask Lieutenant Dish, the nurse he's seeing, to sleep with Painless to show that he still got it. And magically, he's cured the next morning. Of course, the Painless funeral is also a nod to the Last Supper painting from Leonardo da Vinci, if you didn't know that already. Even though the guys are still annoyed by hot whips and her stuck-up attitude, they do appreciate her skills as a nurse. However, that doesn't stop Duke from making a $20 bet to find out if she's a natural blonde, if you know what I mean. So the gang gets a bright idea to find out by pulling down the shower tent at the precise moment necessary. you
2: Damn
4: commission! Uh, 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 my commission! <laughs> my commission! My commission!
2: A little more wine, you
3: Yes,
2: please. Now, before you
0: think it's just the males ganging up on hot lips, all of the female nurses were also involved in this plot as well. Simply put. Hot Lips was disliked by everyone equally. Also, if you didn't know, Colonel Blake was in bed with a woman when Hot Lips came rushing into his tent. (laughs) So there's a great story about the shower scene. So Sally Kellerman requested Robert Allman to have a closed set since she would be fully nude and she didn't want the entire cast around. He understood and Gary played you know, that's Radar, heard about her apprehension and decided to make her feel more comfortable. And without her knowing, when the scene happened, Berghoff and Altman were standing completely naked next to the camera when Kellerman hit the deck when the shower tent is pulled. Now, as you might have gathered, MASH is essentially a series of vignettes rather than a straightforward story plot. This is what makes the film so entertaining to watch when it really takes place in one central location. So Trapper John and Hawkeye are called on a special assignment to Japan to operate on a congressman's son. Trapper John was specifically picked for the surgery, and because of this, he insisted that Hawkeye come along with him.
2: Excuse me, soldier, I wonder if you could tell me where the congressman's son is. Ten, in Ward 6. Darling, would you register for us? Just a moment. Six? You can't go in, there. No, look, I'm... Who are man. you? Who am I? I am the pro from Dover, well, and this
3: is believe my you. favorite I can't patty. go in until I call Captain Peterson. No, like, wait, a call second, Captain
2: wait a second. No, wait a second. a If wait, this wait, soldier, wait. soldier wants to enforce their own orders, I'm going to
3: take you her
2: on single-handedly. Wait a minute. You are this. You open He's one two purple I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you ravage
4: your body, lady. lady. I'll You're call the police. lady. Uh, here.
2: You can't. Such a Who are you? Lady. I'm
1: going to call Captain Peterson. you, you oh. and and I'm
4: going to swallow it and oh. it. Oh. Captain Peterson, please. Captain Peterson.
3: What are you two hoodlums doing in this hospital?
2: Ma'am, we are surgeons and we are here to operate. We're just waiting for a starting time. That's well, you all.
3: can't even go near a patient until Colonel Merrill says it's okay. And he's still
2: out to lunch. Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover and we figure to crack this kid's chest and get out to the golf course before it gets dark. So you go find the gas passer and you have him pre-medicate this patient. Then bring me the latest pictures on him. The ones we saw must be 48 hours old by now. Then call the kitchen and have them rustle us up some lunch. Ham and eggs will be all right. Steak would be even better. And then give me at least one nurse who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way.
3: Oh, you oh. fool. Oh. How do you want your steak cooked? Say
1: say the magic word, you'll make $100.
4: All
2: right. Well. I demand an explanation. Somebody get that dirty old man under this operating theater.
4: Dirty old man.
2: I'm Colonel Merrill. I don't care if you're Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. If his chest gets infected, I will tell the congressman who did it. Scissors, please. and hey, let me have a skin suit. Low pickups. Who is that? Well, that's Colonel Merrill. This is his little store here. Oh, yeah? Who are you? And Dr. Jekyll, actually. This is my friend, Mr. Hyde.
0: (laughs) (laughs) After the successful surgery of the congressman's son, the anesthesiologist takes the guys out for a nice dinner and are told of a local infant who needs an emergency surgery. Unfortunately, the asshole commander of the hospital won't allow the hospital to be used for the locals. So Trapper John and Hawkeye ignore these orders and perform the surgery anyway by knocking the hospital commander out with gas and then taking pictures of him with Japanese prostitutes. Problem solved. Alright, there's about 30 minutes left, and I don't want to spoil everything if you haven't seen the film. MASH is one of the best dark comedies ever made, and while it doesn't get as much notoriety today compared to the hit TV show, it definitely deserves high praise that it gets from film buffs. And really, the TV show has nothing to do with the original novel or the film. People love the TV show because it's sanitized, and it's the reason why Altman hated the TV show. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention one of the best scenes in the film, which does a lot for the, a film full of great scenes. And that involves the football game between the 4077 and the 325 units. The 4077 gets a ringer who used to play pro ball named Dr. Alvin Harmon Jones, nicknamed Spearchucker. Yeah, that, that one fly today uh, who was played by an ex-NFL player for the Kansas City Chiefs, who went by Fred the Hammer Williamson. So that nickname spearchecker comes from the fact that he threw the javelin in high school. The humorous gameplay had to be the inspiration for the greatest football movie of all time which came out 4 years later and I also just covered it on the podcast The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. Hey. <laughs>
2: little brunette.
4: she knew one? Yeah, I just had her shift in. Yeah, that. Kill him! Kill him!
3: goddammit! Hot one! Holy <laughs> Oh my God! They shot him! Hot lips, you incredible nincompoop, It's the end of the quarter.
0: Sally Kellerman is so funny during the football scene. She's overreacting on each play. On the 325th team, the ex-NFL players include Ben Davidson and Buck Buchanan, who are also on that team. Also notable for the football scene, it's the first time in a major studio film that the word fuck was used when Painless tells Davidson, all right, bud, your fucking head is coming right off. All right, you guys, get in there and kill them!
2: Your fucking head is coming right off. There
0: are so many great little details and lines in this film, it definitely bears repeat viewing, and you will appreciate it more and more after each viewing. All right, some fun facts. So, the film was banned after being shown to soldiers of the U.S. Army and Air Force shortly after it was released because of how it reflected, quote unquote, unfavorably upon the military the u.s defense department eventually backed down after the mash producer ingo preminger threatened to bring the case to the supreme court to allow the film to be shown to soldiers and eventually the department of defense reversed their decision when the studio's executives first saw the dailies they complained to robert allman that the soldiers looked dirty compared to the soldiers in tora 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 and Patton, Altman, who was a veteran of world war ii replied that soldiers in war are dirty The next day, the executives told the producers of the two other films to make their soldiers look dirtier. (laughs) Now, the story goes that when Robert Altman was editing the movie with editor Danford B. Green, they had nude pinups on the wall of the editing room. The head of post-production came by and tried to stop Robert Altman from using the edit machine, and he wasn't a designated editor, and Altman threw him out of the editing room. Next day, a memo came down from 20th Century Fox basically stating a new policy that there was to be no pinups on the wall of the editing rooms. And Altman took the memo to the sound recording studio and added it as one of the loudspeaker announcements in the film. Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland kept calling each other Shirley on set. Gould did it in one shot, (laughs) cracking Sutherland up, and Robert Altman decided to keep it in the film. Shirley was a reference to Donald Sutherland's then-second wife, Shirley Douglas. If you didn't know, Sylvester Stallone appears as an extra in about ten minutes into the film. He's a soldier having lunch. Burt Reynolds and James Caan both turned down the role of Trapper John. Ring Lardner Jr. won an Oscar for Best Screenplay, which was a bittersweet moment for a few reasons for him. One, he had been jailed and blacklisted during the McCarthy Red Scare era when many writers, directors, and actors were falsely accused of being communist. Lardner refused to testify, and he was blacklisted for almost 15 years before he was given writing credit for The Cincinnati Kid in 1965. The other bittersweet part of the award, was that a lot of the dialogue was improvised, and much of what Lardner wrote in the script was not even used. However, the structure of the script and the plot was all Lardner, and this strong plot structure was the impetus behind the film. The film was nominated for five Oscars, but it only won for Best Screenplay. It lost Best Picture and Director, ironically, to Patton. Sally Kellerman was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but she lost to Helen Hayes for Airport. And you can hear Kellerman being interviewed on The Dick Cavett Show in 1970.
1: If I say tall, blonde, in the Army, you immediately think of Christine Jorgensen, probably. You'd be wrong. Uh... (laughs) My next guest is one of the most talked about actresses uh, in one of the most talked about films of this very talked about year. Isn't that a precious little thing to say? No, she is uh, none other than uh, Lieutenant Hot Lips herself, a remarkable performance and a a wonderful actress. I've never met her, but I still say she's a wonderful actress. Would you (laughs) welcome Sally (laughs) Kellerman?
3: I'm fine.
1: I'm fine. I apologize. The fly is late tonight. I don't know why. Usually,
3: uh, by this time, we've been
1: honored by a famous fly that comes and visits the show. Do people yell "Harry Hot Lips" all the time? Yeah, Are you in Texas. A little sick of that
3: now. Yeah, I just made a movie in Texas with this Bob Altman, the same director. Oh yeah. And uh, I, you know, in all the restaurants, Hot Lips. You know, I didn't want you to think we forgot you in Texas Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they know my na- actual name, but uh, <laughs> it's I wonder fun. how long you'll be stuck with that. Well. See that Bob Altman like I referred to as the director of *Mash* uh, mm-hmm. saved me from that. You know, he gave me that, and then he saved me from it because I did another film with him, playing a much different kind of role. You know, so uh, I love it now. You know, I mean, I had so much fun doing it that that I thought I was going to have to wear red lips and uh, you know be a freak or something for the rest of my life, but uh, I don't have to be now. You know? I just can enjoy, reap the benefits.
1: How tall are you, anyway?
3: I'm five ten and a half. Wow. Uh-huh.
1: And you don't have a slump. Most tall girls have developed a slump of some. Is being tall a hobby of yours? <laughs> you really,
3: tall? No, I have nervous cheeks at this minute. But <laughs> I don't have a slump. What are nervous cheeks? Well, it's just a little... Uh,
1: uh, nervous
3: cheeks? Well, just my cheeks. I feel... <laughs> I feel just Is that a little the name smiley. Of a n- <laughs> I'd like to get serious <laughs> for a minute.
1: Is that the name of the new character you play, From Hot Lips to Nervous Cheeks? <laughs> nervous
3: Cheeks. <laughs> Hi, gang. <laughs>
1: Do you get a thing when you're tan, mean around just, here? I
3: noticed this evening, at this moment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I
1: have nervous cheeks. Massaging of the cheeks is good. Well, when you good? have that Yeah. Uh, it's a thing that um, people get. If anyone's listening on radio, you just wonder what in the world is going on. But um, you do find that. I, I found it in this you? business, <laughs> there's a smiling hazard that you get into where these muscles sort of, sort of <laughs>
3: right. you yeah. get
1: sick of them, uh, yourself with a sort of cheesy grin. Cheesy, know? right.
3: Because I, I had so many things I wanted to say to you like I was glad to actually... Be here tonight. As opposed
1: w- to the last time?
3: What was the manager saying saying? Turley Richards. Turley? Oh, I oh. loved him. Yeah. I really did. I wish that he'd been playing when I came out, I could have just... <laughs>
1: would have calmed your
3: cheeks. <laughs> my teeth could've been <laughs> fantastic, my, my body would have been moving.
1: <laughs> when uh, when you play a, a scene with an actor, a lot of actors that are thought to be taller are not as tall. As you are probably. I don't think uh, Alan Ladd was 5'10 no, by any means. He was, was just like...
3: a little before my time, actually. Oh yeah, but I, I mean, didn't have to work with him.
1: Have you ever had to uh, had a, have an act- actor stand on a box to play a scene with you? No,
3: you... actually, I almost prefer them, you know, being shorter because it, I just think that's uh, so important, you know, today, in terms of uh, anything. I mean, do you? I have a man here tonight <laughs> that I'm yeah. in love with and going to marry, and uh, he comes up to about here on me. How often? <laughs> <laughs> The on for that?
1: I don't know what that means.
3: <laughs> I don't know what
1: that means. I have no idea what that means. It's just Coming from your... years of listening to Groucho Marx. I don't said, either. <laughs> someone said he comes out to me and he would probably say how often and get a big laugh, as I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been fantastic
3: tonight. I mean, I really enjoyed well, it. Well,
1: it's the fly not being here. I can work better without a fly.
3: <laughs> right. Say,
1: now, this mysterious woman uh, uh, out of your past, Donna Connolly. Oh, yeah. I wonder if we ought to get into this.
3: Well, we could trip lightly over it. I really... I guess because somebody finally listened to me about it, I lost I lost interest. I mean, not really. I mean... Now you, know, you have us
1: very confused.
3: Well, Donna Conley, when I was in grammar school in Northridge, uh, grammar school wrote me plays. Northridge what? In Northridge, grammar school. You know, in the, uh, the in valley, what? in California. In California, oh yeah. oh, yeah. So I keep thinking, I never know which coast I'm on, or where <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh,
1: we don't no. require people to
3: know
1: where I they do. are. When
3: you're but so, I know so. where I am tonight okay. here.
1: Okay.
3: So, uh... Anyway, I was always very grateful to her. I mean, for years I thought, how could she have been so sensitive to give me the lead in these plays? She, Auntie Comes to Easter and some Halloween play when I was in about the third grade or something.
1: Wait, you skipped a step now. When you were oh, in yeah? third grade, a little girl named Donna Conley? Donna Conley, Conley wrote, wrote plays. plays for me.
3: She was like my best friend, you know, and yeah. she wrote plays for me. And uh, I acted them. I acted in them. I was Auntie Comes for Easter and I was a pumpkin. But the, I don't even know how it came up. I mean, right tonight, you know, particularly, particular. Yeah. But uh anyway i was always very grateful to her because she let me do the lead in them and for years i thought oh gee what a sweet you know person to let me this star in, in these third plays grade. yeah
1: and this this was the beginning of your career in a yeah, sense yeah it was
3: that? yeah it was and then it occurred to me years later that she probably didn't want to do the lead in the play you know it never occurred to me because i was did but i always wondered what she was doing or where she was i can't and to this day hey, you donna, have
1: never you don't know I, if donna connelly is watching or not no i don't or, or have never have seen her again
3: no not since grammar school. And it just was a joke, I guess I was saying, you know, just actually not a joke I was telling
1: the story. I wonder if she'd remember. I mean, what was the name of the one of the plays?
3: Auntie Comes to Easter. Auntie
1: uh, Comes to Easter. Wait a minute. A lot of Donna Connelly's may write in now. Oh, yeah. claim to be the Donna Connelly.
3: So well, give the initials of another thin, title. D.C. Oh, I don't know. The other one was a Pumpkin, some Halloween thing. Yeah. Northridge Grammar School. Uh, that's the best. Hello, Donna. And thanks a lot. Anyway. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. That's as good a Donna Connelly story as I've ever heard.
3: <laughs> right, yes. Hey, s- Well, yes. ask me anything, Dick. Oh, yeah, I will ask. I will ask
1: anything. Oh, I see a cheek tightening.
3: No, uh, no, go
1: ahead. You said the movie Mesh did, oh, you're cringing. The movie Mesh did no, more for I me than did... any man. And I, I and wondered any man. about well, that. I'm so
3: glad you brought that up. I'm not kidding, I had a...
1: Did I, did I quote it I mean, wrong? Or?
3: Oh, no, did more for me than any man. I said kiddingly to your woman today, that she asked me if I got tired of answering you know since MASH is such a hit the same kind of question so I said well you do get a little humiliated in quotes that move from the New York Times to Time Magazine to who knows where about change in MASH did more for me than any man no oh. I had a fantastic time doing MASH and I really loved it but I I have a man that does more for me than any MASH or something Oh, I really do so it's the other way around yeah no I really you know I mean I keep wanting to be serious, but I can't, I can't no, you... seem to get to it, I and mean, I'd like to just complete one sentence, which is, uh, I meant that it was a very freeing, a positive experience, and Bob Altman is a fantastic man, you know, very loose and creative, and, and able to bring things out of you as an actress, and give you the feeling of taking a chance, whether you're six feet eleven, or you're five feet two, or you're fat, or whatever you are, just, I mean, the whole experience was something that, for the first time in my life, I took chances, you know, I didn't suck in my cheeks, and worry about anything and he he was respond you know he was a great part of that you know because he's very you just uh, right away trust him but
1: is your life kind of a whirl since that movie made such an impact and you made such a hit in it that does it seem sort of dizzying now to be well
3: doing I all have a, movies a, for the first time in my life I have a personal life too you know I'm about to get married and mm-hmm. I'm very happy in that and I think what it did it's been exciting I've been to Europe we won the Cannes Film Festival you know Max David right. and, and uh and being offered lots of movies and i just finished starring my first one with bob you know with the same director yeah. and uh, that's been great but what working in mash and working with bob altman and maybe five days a week in an analyst or uh, you know and rick edelstein who's my man who's here tonight and is a director and everything you know uh, the combination has has been so fantastic Is all of a sudden uh, being a human a person and living seems like uh, the only thing in particularly with smog and wars and everything that that, like I think I feel at least my responsibility is to to be in touch with myself to enjoy myself to to have real real experiences and always in television days it was severe and worrying about what you look like and tight and and neurotic and those old cliches about it. unless you suffer you know it doesn't mean anything the whole <clears throat> Renaissance in films is all about that's you know, I like you, and let's get together. I mean, you know, hopefully a creative decision. <laughs> I was just kidding, Rick. Oh, you're using that. We're getting together That's later. After.
1: We'll figure out what coast we're on. Wait in a moment. I... We have a station break, so we'll be
0: right back.
4: Okay.
0: All right, we have two special guests. We bring back my other brother, Brian, who returns to talk about M.A.S.H. We also talk to Eric Sinzak, who always brings a lot of great insight into the films he talks about. So we have a lot of fun talking to those guys. And then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie, From my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with my other brother, Brian. Brian Provenzal, welcome back. Thank you, hello. So we're going to talk about the movie version of M.A.S.H. Uh, from 1970. And before we get into that, I, I would have to assume that you were introduced to M.A.S.H. through the TV show. I think like a lot of people that are that probably yeah. weren't around, you know, weren't around. Yeah, so, absolutely.
5: Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. had no idea growing up because M.A.S.H. was on reruns. I, I think I saw it as a kid, on like syndicated reruns. So sure. uh, it, was, yeah, it would be on, I think. where i lived in the afternoons i would watch it sometimes or sometimes early evening or something like that and uh yeah i mean as far as i knew for the longest time it was a show and then i think i was much older when i found like oh wait that was based on a movie
0: whoa (laughs) (laughs) so did you have any idea that the movie was based on a novel
5: no not until i just watched i just watched the movie the other day to kind of like refresh my memory and i learned then that it was based on a novel. like well what do you
0: know <laughs> <laughs> so when you first saw the movie were you like man this is totally different than the tv show
5: yeah i mean i yeah i think there was like parts of it that we, the tv show copied to good effect but yeah it was a lot different much darker but in some ways funnier and i don't know <laughs> much more irreverent i think too as far as like like, the political messaging was more, you know, obvious. Yes. I think it was less of a political – the TV show was less political, for sure.
0: Definitely. And, and it's, it's definitely of the time because of that that 70s, almost kind of that, that rogue uh, filmmaking. Robert Altman was kind of the perfect director uh, for that. And Robert Altman yeah. hates the TV show. He thinks it's a farce because <laughs> it's totally different than what he wanted, you know.
5: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's, yeah, you so, kind of broke up. Yeah, his whole style. So, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. So one of the noticeable thing I think about the movie is, uh, yeah, as you mentioned that the humor is great in it. It's kind of it's it's very subdued too, which it's very dry, which is great. But I think it, what it jars some people are pretty much the kind of gory uh, surgery scenes, which uh, are kind of vital to that to kind of show the yin and yang between you know what they were going through. How, how did you feel about that?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that was pretty, pretty graphic. I think I've seen like probably on ER they've had stuff that's, you know, on par with that and some other medical shows or other, you know, like if you watch band of brothers and stuff like that, you Mm -hmm. have that level of like battle injury and gore and that kind of thing. So it wasn't like totally shocking, but I think for its time, it probably, it probably really was. And I think it it definitely um, drove home the point about how, you know, bad the conditions were in in the war and and uh, I actually read that they, you know, that the uh, they wanted to remove the, mm-hmm. the surgery scenes from the movie because it was too graphic. And right, Allman said, "No, if you do that; it kills the movie." So absolutely, they absolutely, found, <laughs> they found a way to keep it in, which is good.
0: Right, right, and 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 some found the the jokes kind of um, off putting or, or vulgar. And he's like, "There's no more, you know, there's nothing more vulgar than the horrors of war." And and and. Couching these wounded soldiers back out to go fight, and, you know that's that's r- the real you know vulgarity of that all, and and you got to agree with Altman on that one. Yeah. of the Of the characters, uh, who, who who are your favorites? Well,
5: let's see. So, like in this show, I probably
0: like Hawkeye, but I think the the show was kind of like built around Hawkeye,
5: and I sure. like I think pretty pretty equally. I like Hawkeye and Trapper John in the movie. I think
6: they're
4: mm-hmm. both
5: they're similar, but they got their own little little differences. And I don't know, I don't know if I have a favorite between the two. I think. I think maybe maybe slight edge to Trapper John is because he had that cool intro where he's just like <laughs> this guy, you know, under the big heavy jacket. And he's like, yeah. well, who is this bum like sitting in the corner there, basically? <laughs> <laughs> Not talking. He's like, it looked like he's incoherent or something. And then he like starts to kind of like wake up into the scene and you know next thing you know he's pulling olives out of his coat and dropping them into the martini and it's like whoa this is, <laughs> this is cool
0: well the acting is tremendous i mean they really yeah. did get an amazing cast and and you well, some of them are very early on in their career like robert duvall yeah. and, and tom scared and sally kellerman um and they're, they're mm-hmm. great and what's funny uh, of uh, only radar is the the only actor that actually yeah the only one the yeah mm-hmm. And I also think I, the the song is so good that most people don't even realize that there's lyrics to it, and uh, it's such a classic. Especially when you watch the movie, you realize what the song's really about.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, suicide is painless. Yeah, I yeah. mean it was. I could I could see why for the TV show they wouldn't put that the lyrics on the on the theme song, but right. you know, it was it was fitting for the movie and like for the scene in particular where it's kind of referring to that particular scene with the the
0: dentist. <laughs> Name <playlist. laughs> So Payless, yeah. so rewatching it. What, what are some of your favorite scenes?
5: I think the first time I saw it, I liked the football scene, and then this time I yeah. saw it. It was a little bit like a little bit too farcical, a little a little bit silly, but I still like that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff they do, like the the way they kind of just get under uh, Burns' skin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's,
5: he's just he's like a
0: foil to a lot of them. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There's a pretty most of the movie is really good
0: yeah and it doesn't feel i mean it just flows and it's and and really there's not i wouldn't say there's a plot per se it's almost very episodic which is kind of cool in a way
5: yeah it's kind of like uh yeah you know, like you said the robe robe filmmaking or kind yeah. of like a documentary where it just sort of like kind of flows from one thing to the next and there's like little yeah little episodes that are scenes that are all cut together and i was watching a little documentary because i have a i have an older dvd and it had like this little documentary on it and it mm-hmm. um was talking about how they couldn't like couldn't figure out how to like make it a like a coherent story it wasn't like they were, the studio was wasn't really happy with the way it was coming out and then uh all men had the idea of having the uh the guy in the loudspeaker right and that kind of like introduce scenes or kind of like tied off one scene and inter- like you know connected it to the next scene somehow so i think that kind of like kind of like it kind of was like a bookend to each or a you know like a little marker in between each scene so it kind of like kind of kept the story going or the not story but like the the film going like the the narrative if you, if you want to call it that
0: yeah it was yeah exactly he's almost like a, a funny narrator that does like the next mm-hmm. chapter is it's like a next yeah. chapter type of deal yeah, yeah does, like it.
5: now we have
4: this
0: yeah yep yeah and those announcements are so good because he almost <laughs> purposely he's reading bad because that's how someone would do those <laughs> <laughs> right and i have to think that the the football scene had to be an inspiration for the longest yard which came out like four years yeah, later yeah
5: i think yeah it seems like the longest yard is trying to copy like taking that idea and like i don't know if the longest yard was based on anything itself like was that a novel and I'm, I'm not sure but it seems like they could very easily, have, even if even if it was based on some other source material, I could see like the way that they filmed the longest yeah. yard and some of the stuff that happened, you know, in that movie. And they could have taken from inspiration from that.
0: Yeah, I would have to think because Fred Williamson being in on, on the, um, you know, the the medical officers team uh, and he was an actual football player, He played for the Chiefs. I would have to think that was probably a key take away from the long shard to get, you know, actual NFL players. To, Actually, to yeah. The
5: Cause they team. had, yeah, they had a bunch of that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think was, was,
5: uh, Williamson, the only actual player was, there was that a really big guy on the opposing team who was, like, Oh like, yeah. And Ben Davidson 80? who played. Yeah. Oh, ben Davidson that's played right. For the Raiders. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's right. I'm like, he looks really familiar, but I didn't see, I couldn't, I didn't catch his name. So yeah. All
0: right. Was, I, I believe he was in those Miller light commercials with, um, Madden and and you
5: oh it's great let's yeah okay there you go now I'm connecting it all again all right yeah cool
0: <laughs> and, and I don't know if you noticed but there was a, a, a cameo uncredited from Sylvester Stallone who I guess plays a soldier in uh and kind of like one of the the eatery uh area or something like that
5: oh no I missed that darn it. <laughs> now I'm gonna watch it
0: again. <laughs> yeah, the little Easter eggs yeah. so take it to take away from it. What would you kind of compare this to? And I know at the time, like there were a lot of war movies out, like that were coming out at the same time, one being Patton. I think there was, there was another one and, and this one was kind of uh, Fox didn't really think it would do that well. And it, as it turned out, it ended up being the most popular of them all financially. So uh, what would you yeah. compare it to? So and, I think,
5: yeah. Yeah. So a couple other Fox movies, I think from the same year or very close were like Torah, Torah, Torah and Patton. Right. Um, yep. Torah 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 was, I saw it once a while ago. I think I was in high school and watched it or something. Um, Interesting movie um, because it gives you like the the Japanese perspective of of the the Pearl Harbor bombing. Mm -hmm. I think it was just that's probably the most remarkable thing about that movie. I don't know. Like it's I don't think it's like it It wasn't as good as MASH. And then Patton, I think, won Best Picture or George C. Scott won Best Actor. Best Actor.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. And then
5: uh, I saw that in high school because we watched that during World War II. But like, I think I don't remember if we watched the entire thing because it's really long. It's really long. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember just being bored in a lot of that movie. It was just yeah. (laughs)
0: uh, his his performance is amazing. I think that's what holds up best. Um, It would have been interesting if it was made today because maybe it would have been tighter and and more. I, I don't know if it was not factual, but they probably took some liberties back then like they used to do.
5: Yeah. But I'm trying to think of another movie, like another war movie that was that's kind of that style of sort of like the documentary style or I don't know, maybe uh Apocalypse Now a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
5: More I don't know, that's almost psychedelic that
0: movie. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's an experience to watch Apocalypse yeah. now. Watching the documentaries about it with just the whole making of. Oh yeah, I I haven't gone through
5: all that yet, but I did I did I did see Apocalypse Now in the theater. Um, at my oh. college they showed it as like you know like the, they would show old movies sometimes, and I saw that one. Saw through the whole thing. It was like it was pretty amazing, but it was like yeah, it was <laughs> an intense experience. <laughs> oh, definitely, <laughs> Not, definitely. Uh, Ash has, has its gore and all you know and all that, and but you know, so the the darkness of war and. Vulgarity and things like that, but uh, yeah, it's a way lighter movie than Apocalypse Now.
0: Oh, absolutely! But then, like, there are some, you know, like there's a the great moment where they, you know, one of the local uh, boys needs uh needs some medical attention and they won't let him in, and they basically take over the hospital. So, uh, yes. as crazy as these guys are, they definitely have uh, a high moral fiber when it, when they need to.
5: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that was the point. Is like they're really they're good at they're good doctors and they're good people and they try really hard to like do the the work of being a doctor. But then like they were you know anti-establishment as far as the like yes. military and that was their like their conflict. So yeah, it was interesting.
0: Absolutely, And I think everyone watching it now uh, may not even, even though it's it's supposed to take place in Korea, everyone knows it it's really supposed to be about Vietnam. And I think anybody who watches it now, they' they're pretty much assuming that, that this is yeah, about I Vietnam. Think yeah.
5: other than the I think the intro in the beginning where like I like there's titles on the screen saying, and then there was Korea, and then it was talking about the Korean War a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I had some quotes from like eisenhower and, and uh, uh, MacArthur or something like that about Korea. But then, after that, like if you didn't see that part or they didn't include that part in the beginning, you would never know that it was specifically about Korea. When mm-hmm. was, I mean, obviously, the, thematically, it was definitely meant to be about the Vietnam War. So,
0: yeah, and I believe <laughs> that the studio made them put that little prologue in because,
4: <laughs> I, I, you know,
0: in 1970, that's still in the height of, of Vietnam. So I, yeah. I think the, <laughs> they that the higher ups and I, from what I what I heard and what I read that. Uh, this movie was banned from the military, like from the soldiers watching it because they thought it was going to be anti-war. And eventually that was overturned because they they realized once they saw the film, it wasn't re- really wasn't anti-military at all. It was, you know, they, if anything, it was just kind of a yeah. relief. So,
5: yeah, that's more anti-war than anti-military. I mean, exactly. I think like Hawkeye Hawkeye in particular is anti-military, I guess. But, anti, you know, he was anti you know, military. Establishment. Establishment. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't care about the stupid rules about right. You know, like protocol and rank and all that stuff. But, but that's. The, I think I, that was like the from a military standpoint, that was the the least <laughs> least offensive or something. But there, yeah, it's really just about you know how bad war
0: is. So. Sure. Sure. And then obviously we got to talk about one of the most notorious scenes, and that's of course the prank they pull on Hot Lips. So how how, does it, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about
5: I mean,
4: that?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I don't think that would... I don't know if they would do something like that now,
5: or they would do it in another, I don't know, more subtle or humorous way. um, Or they might have had had
0: the female soldiers do it on her instead of the uh, the male
5: Yeah, they could have done, or it would have been... uh, Yeah, I mean, there were females... Some of the the nurses were there, like, watching and kind of Mm -hmm. cheering about it. So I guess that kind of uh, defused it. And then I think for the making of that scene, they couldn't get her... Uh, Sally Kellerman to like you know flash the camera enough like (laughs) they wanted her at least like not because she immediately would duck down when the first time they they did one take and they they pulled up the the tent and she she was already down on the ground so they didn't they didn't show anything right and you know cinematically that wasn't very interesting so then Altman and uh I think it was Gary Berghoff who decided to like take off their clothes so that's right pause and see that that they were naked there and that would right use her enough that she would pause and like <laughs> they get a little bit more glimpse of her on camera but yeah i mean as far as the scene goes like and and some other scenes in there too where it's just or, you know pretty sexist by today's sure. standard or i mean sexist period but like you especially by today's standards uh, right you know you wouldn't see that pr- as much but i think i think the thing with like Hot lips and <laughs> or that character oh, and, and, and burns, just like yeah. with Major Burns is I think it's just about them being like military stick in the muds and the exactly trying to undermine them in that way. But the you know there is also the, <clears throat> the sexism going on with with her. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was it's kind of funny, but it's you know not enough. <laughs> it's a sort of a guilty way, like that, you know, probably you know, it's not really appropriate. Now,
0: yeah, it's a, it, it's a funny like I. I never have a problem like going going back to that era and just watching things for what they mm-hmm. are and, and not being. Yeah. I, I think there's there's some people that watch it probably be appalled now, but I think it, that's the tricky part about watching old movies if you grew up. In today's era, is really you have to put your mindset there. You don't have to be okay with it, but you can understand yeah. why I was it was put in at the time. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's just it's it, that's of the era. So that um, yeah, so yeah, the
5: pranks yeah, the pranks are pretty like yeah, they were pretty lewd, I guess too. Yeah, <laughs> but, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of movies like you know probably like Animal House and oh yeah yeah and the uh, Porkies or something like that. It's probably similar. I don't well, know. That's, so that's like, a great
0: that's a great thing era kind of. It exists,
5: now yeah. uh, it's kind of over, and that's fine. We can all grow up and move on from that. So.
0: Sure. And that's the thing with Porky's. Everyone remembers the, the bathroom scene and, and the, the people and everything. But the girls are actually the ones that get the get one over on the guys almost every time. So, uh, right, right. yeah, they, they do kind of spin it that way. But, of course, you always remember Miss Ball Bricker. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> right. so would you recommend this? And, I again, I think it's one of the, the great... Uh, war comedies uh, out there. I, yeah. I The only one I can really think of, but it's not as biting, is Mr. Roberts, where they it's on a it's on a ship and uh and there's a lot of humor in it with James Cagney being the the foil and things like that. But
5: I, not I seen that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I yeah I would recommend it as like a good yeah I mean a good like black comedy as well as like uh mm-hmm. you know if you like Robert Altman's films. Um, and the acting is great especially if you want to see some of these actors when they were starting out yeah you know, I think, uh donald sutherland and, and uh, Gould. uh elliot cool were known but like most almost everyone else like the entire cast at the beginning is like introducing this guy and this yeah. person and this woman. so like pretty much the entire cast is new and that's kind of how they kept it under budget too was like they just had a whole bunch of like unknown characters but they all they all made something. Of they they found good people to be in these roles, and I think that you know, for the acting standpoint and like the, the kind of like the filmmaking, like the cinematic quality of the movie, it's just it's all really interesting and not not common in a lot of war movies. So, and if you don't like war movies, it's good. It's even good for that because yes. you don't get like the the battle scenes. I mean, you get the aftermath of battle, but right. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's it's pretty fun. I would recommend it.
0: Yeah, I think if you just like um sharp humor, I, I think he'd be that with
4: you.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. you, now you mentioned Robert Altman. What are some of your favorite Altman movies, if you can if you can think of any? Uh
4: like
0: The Player. Um that's like, a newer one, nine, 92 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, to think another of dark comedy so. with uh with yeah. uh, Tim Robbins.
5: Tim Robbins, yeah. Um uh, me think of some other I don't know. Do you have favorite? Say-
0: Definitely, MASH. I think MASH is my favorite. A lot of people love Nashville. Nashville did. I think it won a bunch of Academy Awards yeah. uh, as well. I would I say the other, the other one my my dad film. really liked was Brewster McCloud because it's so weird. Uh, and it came out the, the same. It's all he remembers is this, this bird always like craps on people. Like that's a common theme throughout the film. So I know the long, but long goodbye with Elliot Gould is kind of like a, a film noir based on like raymond Chandler.
5: yeah did i see well, i'm trying to remember if i saw it. i don't know if i've seen much of altman but um
0: oh he did popeye i forgot that yeah with robin williams <laughs> i forgot I don't, popeye. Yeah, I don't know it was weird i, I remember it, seeing it was in theater or a
5: drive-in or something as a kid and i just thought well, this just totally weird gosford oh, park that yeah was totally that was late. gonna
0: say Her yeah companion
5: was also that was interesting although that's that's weird now that uh what happened with uh yeah Gary yeah. keeler but um yeah gosford park was really good definitely yeah. not a typical altman movie
0: <laughs> no no and i guess uh, people really like shortcuts too it came out in 93
5: yeah i think i saw that but i don't remember
0: it no. <laughs> but the player I, I remember
5: liking the player that was
0: yeah yeah it's different so well as always brian thank you for doing this and uh hope you'll be back on real soon all right, all right cool thanks brian all right, we're back with Eric Sintek. Welcome back, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me back on, Brian. Appreciate it. No problem. And so uh, we want we're going to talk about the 1970 ver- uh, version, the the film version of Mash. Most people know the television show, uh, and we may talk about that a little bit. But this is a per Perfect guest to have because not only is Eric a military veteran, and, and again, thank you for your service. Uh, you were in the the medical uh, portion of the the service you you uh, you served in, and then you were also you're currently in the medical field as well. So, Mash must have a special meaning for you, not only growing up, but especially now.
6: Uh, yeah, I, I watched the film uh, when I was a kid, and uh, continue to revisit it. And uh, but I uh, got to just not directly trying to get into the medical field, but I kind of forced my way into, uh, so (laughs) to speak into Navy hospital Corps. uh, was actually trying to be a sonar man. And when I joined the Navy and they were overmanned and they said, well, you got to pick another job. So I get, well, it's kind of funny. Hunt for Red October was out and it was very popular at the time when I joined. (laughs) And they said, you pick something else. So they said, here, here, become, uh, do this. And they gave me a card that said, Navy hospital corpsman. And I said, okay, what is that? And they said, well, it's a really great job. You, uh, you work in a hospital, you're around with these really pretty nurses and you don't have to really, it's a nice air conditioned job. And I said, oh, that's great. I'll do that. Well, two years later, I'm walking around with a rifle in my hand. going, well, What the hell did I think? You know, why, why, why did I even choose this crap? Right. So <laughs> turned out I wound up in in a field hospital unit, which was not too bad a job. And and I realized it was a lot like Mash. So, and we had a lot of characters a lot like Mash. So it was for the best. So I, I enjoyed it. It gave me a lot of skills, and pretty much it gave me all the life skills I needed to uh, do what I'm doing now.
0: Right. So, so growing up with the film, as I'm sure as you got older and rewatched this, especially after or while you were serving and then afterwards, this film must really be um, you know more powerful now than it was when you first saw it as a kid.
6: Oh yeah, absolutely. Just the, the impact of the film, you know, going back and watching it, you get so much out of it that you didn't, you know, before, of course there is the funny stuff, you know, you got, you got the, you got the goofy crap, but uh, revisiting it now, you know, when you're older, you of course understand the tones that Robert Altman was trying to deliver, you know, how it, it was basically, um, alleviate is sort of like the comedy that you uh see the guys you know the the silliness was basically a stab for the end of war that mm-hmm. you know, was going on around it. It was almost like gallows humor is really what it is.
0: Yeah, and that's what Altman had always said because some people were offended by some of the humor in the film in the film, especially at the time, but he's like there was no darker period than the horrors of war and you know patching up these soldiers to go back out and get shot again you know that that was the real horror you know that was the real travesty not not these you know jokes that they were trying to portray during the film
6: yeah and you know altman was perfect for directing it because he did understand a a soldier's mind he understood Mm -hmm. uh, how people behaved when they're in combat you you don't be you're not yourself uh, and I'm not, I'm, I was not in combat. I was fortunate enough, but I was surrounded by a lot of guys who had been there. Uh, and you know, they, they talked about how you are to behave when you're there and how, how your life is different when you're out there. And we did go into the field a lot mm-hmm. and we did go out a lot of training. Uh, so I was, and I say I was fortunate because there are a lot of guys who really, really wanted to go out and into combat. I don't know why. Right. Uh, it's not really you know there's people who glorify that crap but it's not true um you know you it's one of those things you pray for, for peace and are mm-hmm. you you know you hope for the best and train for the worst
3: right. um uh, but you know
6: that's kind of how we were uh we don't want to see people hurt that's no that's the god truth when you're when you work in a field hospital you you know you train for the worst and we did we we don't ever want to have to get into it i i actually got worked up on two different uh you know uh, floats which were about to go to the middle east but it was right after desert storm and everybody was coming back so they canceled mm-hmm. them before it was over with the ground war was over fairly quickly so you know bill Clinton was standing everything down where i was in i finally got out of the field out of the regular hospital i was at naval hospital charleston and then we went to uh you know, I went to field training and then got to uh, Camp Lejeune and then started into my uh, field work. And then they stood everything down. And it's true that you, when you get into this uh, mindset, you're about to go into the field or into combat, you do get a bit of a, a silliness about it. You kind of have mm-hmm. to kick it around. And say, wow, this is just going to be this and this and this is bullshit and everything mm-hmm. like that. And you sort of get kind of ridiculous about it. Because if you don't, you know, you're going to dwell on it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. So that's the thing. And I do get that why he why those jokes are there and why those gather, And I didn't get all that when I was a kid. But guys who are vets like my dad,
0: mm-hmm.
4: he
6: got it. And he he understood it. And it was hard for me to get. But of course, you know, all the vets got it.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's where I and also people were kind of shocked by the surgery scenes because the surgery scenes were pretty graphic, especially for the time. And that was kind of you had you had to have both. Yeah, you had the two extremes where you had the reality and then you also had the kind of the lightheartedness of the movie. And I think that's what really makes this film unique. You know,
6: the, the surgery scenes are absolutely wonderful in these, in this film. I think they're, they're so good. And, you know, for the time that it was made and the budget that it was made with, uh, cause Mesh was not a big blockbuster film. It didn't get, you know, an incredible budget to do, a lot of special effects or anything like that so but but the way that they filmed it uh was really great it's filmed as if you are standing to the back of where the or theater is and you're looking at them doing it from a a bit of a distance it's it's almost very respectful to the art of surgery and i like that uh it's not graphic but mm-hmm. it's at the same time, it's graphic enough that the uh, that, you know, this is serious stuff. This is really intense work that these guys are doing. You know, nowadays, I think they put a little too much emphasis on graphicness during surgeries right. that are in film. You know, and I think this the way that they did. It was very, you know, you, you pay more attention almost to the reactions, even though they're masked to, uh, to the surgeons and to the nurses yeah the blood's there yeah. and the pressure you know that they experience is that's going on but you you see the the intensity of of what the actors deliver during the scene and i think that was really what he was trying to convey and i like that a lot about
0: how they did that Absolutely. So we'll get in we'll, we'll get into the film and this really this cast is amazing we, with Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, Tom Skerritt, Sally Kellerman, Robert Duvall. I mean, the list goes on and on. Of the um of this of the medical unit, who who's your favorite character? Or is that too tough to to pick for you? Well,
6: they're all great and you know they they had some great, but I actually honestly um I uh, I think Trapper
3: is my uh-huh. favorite.
6: I honestly like Elliot Gould's performance. I think yeah. Trapper had the ability to put people in their place, and especially right. when he did that. Frank. I loved it when he when he punched Frank out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I because he basically uh, you know when Trapper came along, it was sort of made, it sort of righted the ship. You know, he's yes. a chest cutter. He he did everything that he you know he's he's pretty much. He, he set everything in motion. He set everything to the to the to the way it's supposed to be. Uh and and Frank would you know Duvall is such a great actor. That oh, he, oh yeah, yeah. He just sort of just pushes. He pushes the buttons around there so much. But when Ellie Gould and, and Duvall ha- are on screen together and the way that their chemistry is on screen together, it was so wonderful because it's oil and water. It's so perfect to watch. So they're, they're, it's just a great combination. And I, I love watching uh, Ellie Gould play Trapper. And I think it's just a good, good character characterization.
0: What are some of your favorite scenes? I would have to think that there's some of the more memorable ones, but maybe there's stuff that maybe aren't as memorable. So what are some of your what are your favorite scenes? Uh,
6: I liked it when uh, Donald Sutherland took Hojan down and uh, when he was, you know, that's the one thing I I want to, you know, he was just trying to get him into the city and. Uh, I, I don't remember what he was trying to do, but he had him down there. I guess he was trying to get him, uh, and and he wound up, wound up in the army, right? Uh, you know when, yeah, and he and he didn't want him to do that. And he, he was almost like the guy took him, the guy took him away, and and Sutherland was very, you know, Hawkeye was was had him down there, and he's like he like slipped through his fingers, and mm-hmm. he's like, ah, uh, man, and he just sort of sat there for a minute, and you can see the regret in his face is like. He's like, what did I do? You right. know, he's like, like, oh crap! I just let this guy. I just let him. You know, it's it's a moment of regret. You can see that he was trying to do something good. He took him down there, and he was. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. He's like, he's like, oh no! And it's just stuff like that that goes on. You can tell there's a lot of things. Uh, just the small personal. You know, when the ten- when they're in the swamp. And, and you get just the, the little banter in the swamp yes. when they're talking about, it reminds me a lot of, of the stuff that happened to me when they're, when we're, cause I, I was a driver, uh, for, for my unit and I had my own tent. So it was me and two other guys and like everybody else shared like a huge GP tent. They were all jammed in like cattle. So my tent was very much like the swamp. Um, mm. I'm not going to tell you everything
0: happened, no. but, uh, <laughs> What stays in the swamp, what happens in the swamp, stays in the swamp, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I
6: I had a bit of a privileged life in the field, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to tell you, I was the most civilian military guy there ever was. So I identified heavily with, uh, you know, Trapper and Duke and Hawkeye. Uh, right. So, <laughs> but yeah, I. It was a it was a you know a good time for me and I I'm you know like when they talk about making the martinis and stuff like that I I really enjoyed that that kind of those moments when they're bantering but you know they do have their serious side they turn around they're like we can't do this you got to do this and for, and the, and they go you know and talk to the and talk to Henry and they're like Henry you got to do this and like they're very they have zero mil military bearing at all which I think is hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and henry's like all right you guys come on <laughs>
4: <laughs> but so, they, do, they
0: I, do the doctors do have a good side to them like especially like when they're treating uh one of the local boys or the local kids who wouldn't normally be treated there and they force their way in just to to treat that that kid I think since that scene meant a lot
6: yes uh when they're in Japan uh yeah and they go to Japan in mm-hmm. their in their restaurant and then they want they say oh yeah they uh then when they have to do the uh uh esophageal yes. yeah the so they have to do the surgery on him and they wind up gassing the uh the kernel. Right. They <laughs> stick him in bed with the, with the prostitutes. Yeah. yeah so, so that's <laughs>
0: that yeah, I love that yeah. That
4: was so great. Yeah.
0: And the the other famous scene of, of course, and I think it was a precursor to the longest yard is the football scene. That football scene is so good.
6: Yeah, I know. And it, it, I mean you got Fred Williamson, yeah, I mean, he's so great, and it, I mean, that was such a well shot scene. And they have so much cheating, it's unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> coach, coach, when he's like, Oh, the guy's walking back over, I can go back. What is he? What was,
4: the, what was the
6: guy saying? I can't remember. He's walking back over. He says, Get Oh, man, he's, he's got like drugged up, he gets shot, and right?
4: He
0: was, yeah.
6: It was like get back over
0: here. <laughs> when they tackled him, they basically piled on top of him to, to inject him, which was great.
6: Yeah, right. You stuck him in the arm, yeah. But uh yeah, it was so wonderful. The uh I mean they they did such a great job with that scene. But um yeah, I mean I was looking through uh and there were so many people in the in the film that I didn't realize were in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was in the Yes.
0: Film. <laughs> That's uncredited.
6: Yeah, it's an uncredited scene, or it's an uncredited, but I, I don't remember who he played. I mean, he was a soldier, but I don't remember where he was in. So I'll have to try to catch him again. I'll have to look at that.
0: Yeah, those are always fun, like seeing, you know, like cameos or or like, you know, stand-in roles, you know, for, for these actors that became huge. And, and that happens a lot, So which is great. So kind of shifting a little bit, did you see the film before you saw the TV show, or did you see the TV show first?
6: No, I used to watch the TV show, and I saw the film probably when I was like fourteen. Okay. Uh, you know, and I grew up watching the TV show, um, and it was one. <laughs> I didn't like the TV show very much. I, um, yeah, I believe
0: that. you know it's not as you know, especially if you compare it to the film. They're 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 nothing alike.
6: Yeah, and it was one of those things I found the TV show kind of pedestrian, kind of yeah. stupid, uh, just. I don't know. It it was one of those things where it's like, it would come on in the evenings, and that was usually the cue for me and my brother to leave the room, so (laughs) we would get up and leave. So, I don't know. The rest of the family would watch, my my grandmother and my dad would, mom would watch it, but even my dad, I don't think, really liked the TV show very much. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he did. I I don't remember. But uh, we didn't really care for it. Me and my brother didn't. But uh, nowadays I kind of watch it every now and then I can only handle about maybe two episodes and that's about
0: it. Right. Uh, So you appreciate it more now than, than when you were a kid.
6: Yeah. A little bit, just mostly for nostalgia. I'll watch it for nostalgia, but I think the laugh track gets me a little pissed. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not three's company. I mean, come on. (laughs) No, not really. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for. Doing this, i your insight is terrific, and because uh, you actually lived it, so I, I really think people should see this film. I, I think it's so superior to the to the television show, like like I think you believe as well. And it, it's really a, a film that's just as relevant today as it ever was.
6: Yeah, I really enjoy. I enjoy this film. I come back to it every now and then. I'll pick it up, you know, if it's on TV or if it's something I can rent or watch or you know download or something. I will do that, and I think everyone should watch it, uh, especially. You know, people who uh, work in the medical field, or yeah. you know, I, or just are interested in military films. But um, you know, I, I salute anybody who has been over into the theater of combat. I luckily have not, so um, I would, you know, definitely
0: watch it. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's and frankly, it's a fun film too. You forget about there's a, just iconic scenes in this, and uh, whether it be with hot yeah. lips or. Or uh, you the know, shot,
6: there's so many yeah. Or walls being pulled up. Yeah, the prank. Oh my yep. God, the big prank. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one that uh, I definitely remember. You know, the hand over the eyes around. That oh time. yeah. <laughs> 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 and I had to wonder for a few years what happened. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. And there's so many great stories about the the those takes. And uh, of course, that's on the beginning half this episode so I won't have to repeat it but uh, everyone's already heard it but yeah there's a, th- this is such a great film and really uh, as you said Robert Altman was the perfect director for, for MASH yeah it was great
6: thank you again Eric thanks for having me on Brian Take I'm Hang
0: Out and Chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat Wednesdays
4: 11pm Eastern right here on ThatMetalStation.com